Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 303 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is CompTIA's Chief Technology Evangelist. He has consulted in cloud security, open source, and networking for organizations such as Northrop Grumman, Tesco, AWS, West Point, South Bank, and Symantec. He has also developed education programs on a myriad of subjects, including security analytics, cloud administration, Linux, British Romantic Literature, and kayaking. So it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast, James Stanger. Well, thanks, Phil. How are you doing? I'm good. Yes. And it's great to have you on the show as well. Mm. So obviously, that's very much uh, a bit of an overview of, of your your career history, but maybe you could give us a bit of an insight into your role with CompTIA and what you're currently doing. Well, thanks, Ben. I, uh, I work uh, as CompTIA's chief technology evangelist. What a, kind of a whiz-bang title, isn't it? Uh, and what I do is I go out and talk to IT professionals, hiring managers, folks around the world. And, uh, and the other thing that I do is I basically work a lot with technology, explaining how it works. So uh, at CompTIA, we do many things from research to um, uh, advocacy around the world about IT professionals. We're a membership organization. And the uh, IT industry has basically told us to fill the skills gap. We create certifications and training uh, and, and all sorts of learning. And I'm uh, responsible for uh, helping out with that learning. So, for example, if folks want to learn about security and Security Plus, I create videos and things to help understand the concepts. So, there's a lot of outreach and liaison work I do with the industry. Uh, I work with uh, other certification entities. Uh, I lead a group called the C3. Um, and I uh, do a lot of work in advisory councils for various universities and corporations. Right. I, I want to ask you specifically about the certification side. So <laughs> in terms of recognition of certification, that, that's always an interesting one for me. So how does that work in terms of, you know, what the validity of a, of a certification that, that presumably the CompTIA provide, for example? How is that sort of, how does it work in terms of industry recognition? There are a couple of things that the way it works is that uh, what's nice about it is that Many, many years ago and continuing to the present day, we basically have corporations coming to us and asking for it. So it's, it, this is an industry-driven thing. When I say corporations, right. I don't just mean uh, uh, you know, uh, companies like, say, Tesco or, or, or what have you, but uh, governments, et cetera. Uh, nonprofits, all sorts, uh, a lot of managed service providers, and they all realize they need a talented workforce. And so they come to us. So it's a, it's a demand-driven business that way. We also make sure that we follow and even set uh, industry-defining uh, procedures. And by industry-defining, I mean in certification. Uh, there's the ISO 17024 standard that we, that we follow, but also um, every year as we uh, go out and reach out to the industry and talk to people, uh, the people who develop our exams, our, our learning, are in constant demand. People are always asking us, you know, what we're hearing and what we're doing. 
uh, when I say people, I mean educators around the world, certification bodies, et cetera. So we fill industry demand and what folks ask for, first of all, but also we've uh, done a lot in leading the industry in defining what certification is in the first place and what those standards are. Right. And presumably because organizations are in contact with you about demand, you know, presumably, which are the skill sets and which are the certifications that that are probably most valuable in the in the the job market right now? That's right. What's so great about it is that we listen to thousands of subject matter experts, working IT pros in the field. They're hiring managers. It's it's a fantastic process. I always call it kind of crowdsourcing on steroids, in that we distill that information into our uh, objectives. We have uh, job task analysis that we do. Um, and all of that sounds you know a little you know, academic or whatever, but it it really is very practical. And so those objectives, whether it be for A plus or security plus network, all those, you know, fun pluses that we have, uh, it's the distilled wisdom of literally thousands of, of people who've actively contributed. It's a pretty cool process. Right. Okay. So if I was going to put you on the spot and say maybe what are the top three hot ticket skill sets at the moment, what would you say they are? You know, one of them, I would say cloud, cloud security, moving into that and understanding what it means to do uh, hybrid cloud, uh, multi-cloud, et cetera. I'd say that's a, a major uh, skill set because it's not like everything is going to always be in the cloud. There's going to be plenty of on-premise. There's going to be plenty of data center. But I think the foundation for you know technology uh, moving forward as a kind of first choice, not the only choice, but a first choice is going to be cloud. I would say it's one of the first skills. I would say the second uh, uh is a long, and I always jump right into security. I probably should have even listed security first. Uh, not only is it an interest of mine, but it's something that clearly is top of, of mind and has become uh, increasingly top of mind over the years. It's been interesting to see, um, you know, starting 20 years ago as I was looking into what, si- what security meant. Um, how that's something that has has morphed and changed, and in sometimes wintered. I use the term wintering, and in, in that, if you have an emerging technology, sometimes it takes the world by storm and stays. Sometimes it shows up and then kind of goes away out of the public consciousness, and then back again. You know, kind of in a cycle. Uh, security's always been important over the last twenty years. Don't get me wrong, but it certainly uh, has had more emphasis the last few years than I've than uh, than I've seen in, in a long time. And so I think the skills along those lines, things like analytics, monitoring, uh, uh, the protection against uh, various attacks, ransomware, things like that. So the cloud security. Uh, the other thing that I find interesting um, are various ways in which emerging technologies are being applied into everyday activities. You know, emerging technologies used to, are always those things that are three to five years away, right, Phil? <laughs> but what we're finding is because of the cloud, things aren't three to five years away anymore. Uh, they can be adopted uh, much more quickly than that. And they're ready as long as a company has the, how do you want to say it, the stomach for it, you know, the will for it. Yes, indeed. Okay. Um, so I'm going to move into the, the core of the, the interview. So James, can you maybe give us a career tip, one that the, the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? You know, one of the first things I would say that people tend to overlook when it comes to anything, if they're going into security or into the cloud or what have you, uh, things that I call power skills. Uh, that's the term I use for soft skills or what have you. Uh, I think one of the first things, the thing that I hear about 
besides the uh, uh, having a good solid technical foundation is somebody uh, who has the ability to do good interpersonal skills and and it's easy to talk about those things in the in the in the uh, abstract but i remember years ago talking to a a person uh we we had a set of meetings it was for ibm and we were, i was helping them set up an uh, e-business college uh to move green screeners over to uh the modern world which then wasn't cloud yet it was more client server these were people that were used to working with mainframes. Long story short, I worked with a, a collection of fantastic people there. And one of them uh, was a brilliant cybersecurity, a, a security person, but he could never show up on time. And, and it wasn't at the meetings half the time. And I get the idea that if you're in demand, it, it you know it's kind of hard to show up sometimes and you have to cancel things or whatever. But I remember a, a person pulling me aside and saying, you know, James, you can be the most brilliant person in the world, but if you don't know how to manage your time, you're not as useful as you think you are. And that's a lesson I learned a long time ago. Uh, so I, I would say things like that. Indeed, yeah, that's a very good point. I think that those sort of, although you may be good and gifted at what you do, you're, you're inevitably part of a delivery function or a team of people who are working on the same thing and you can't be part of that. Then, then that obviously reduces the value, as you say, of, of what you can do. One of the other things I noticed is that as governance, for example, governance is the idea in security specifically that, uh, look, here's what I've said I was going to do. Here's the standard, whatever standard that is. Let's say GDPR, okay, or the the NIST cybersecurity framework. Pick pick a standard, you know, ISO 27000 standards, whatever one you can think of. There's PCI. Uh, if you take a credit card as a company, as an organization, um, you have, there are certain standards you have to follow. Governance is simply, I'll boil it down a bit, probably too much. You, you say you're going to follow X standard. So then you, you, you go about doing your business, whatever you do, your, your activities. And then you turn around and go, did we actually follow that standard that we said we'd follow six months ago or a quarter ago or, or two weeks ago? And then you document it. It's, it's that kind of process. The reason I bring that up is we need people, whether they're IT professionals or security professionals, to understand what it means to adhere to a standard and document it. That to me is very related to those kinds of soft skills. I was talking to a former Bobby, former uh, policeman in uh, uh, in the UK, and he is now in the governance side of things. And he said he was he feels it's a less technical role than it is more of a role where you listen to what people say they're doing, and then you you actually focus on what they're really doing. And he said, my, my experience as a Bobby was very useful for that. But uh, so he made an interesting transition there. And to me, that's just another example of people using their power skills, as it were, in the IT space. Yeah, that's a good example. Yes. Okay, James, can you share with us your worst career moment and what you learned from that experience? You know, worst career moment might have been uh, a friend of mine uh, always says that uh, I am a uh, retread. Uh, a retread meaning uh, back in the old days, if a tire got old, you could actually put the tire, uh, the <laughs> a new set of treads back on on the tire. Uh, I got my degree, what a degree, third degree in English literature. Can you believe that? My worst career moment might have been realizing that I was had been teacher of the year and I'd been a, on a dissertation fellowship. And I realized I was in a career that was going to pay me hundreds of dollars a year. And, and, and I, have, I hate to sound so mercenary, but it was a career, let's put it this way. I remember looking at the application. And again, I, I wasn't much of a slouch. I did pretty well. But <laughs> um, 
I realized I was one. Uh, the, the the letter came back and said, "Congratulations, you've applied, etc. You are one of like one thousand three hundred twenty-seven applicants." You know, and I realized, yeah, I didn't get a degree at Harvard or or Cambridge or or whatever. And my worst career moment, when actually I turned into my best career moment, is I sat down and said, "It's time for me to change what I'm doing." And I got back into uh, uh, computers, uh, were probably where I should have stayed. And I, I was, I remember in a couple of months, in a month, I made more working as a consultant in computers than I did with my entire dissertation fellowship. So that worst moment was like, you know what, I've spent years preparing for something and it's just not going to work out for whatever reason. There are a couple other reasons why I didn't think it was going to work out. And I turned it into a, a, I, you know, took stock and I kind of evaluated and I said, I need a new set of objectives for life as it were. And so that's when I started learning about IT. Sure. So do you keep an, an eye out in terms of understanding where you are and what you're doing and be able to evaluate where you are? And if you do need to do something different, is that something you consciously consider? Very much so. Uh, for example, I did a whole lot early on, I learned a lot about uh, security. And then I found that uh, for whatever reason, the career opportunities I had were less at that time in cybersecurity and more in web development and design. And so I basically said, well, it's time to pivot there. So I listen, try to listen very carefully to what inputs I'm getting, <laughs> uh, whether yeah. it be from bosses or from the marketplace or what's happened. And then I try uh, to pivot credibly towards what I think is a good opportunity. Uh, right. To me. And, and some of the things I look for, not only you know from a news perspective, like whatever the trends are, because if you focus too much on that, you just become one of those people that kind of puts a finger in the air and then suddenly you think you're an expert in something or you, you try to pass yourself off as that. I think it's more than that. You, it, it comes down to listening carefully to your network of friends, your network of uh, people that you work with and work for. Yeah, that's very good. And maybe something a little bit more positive. Can you tell us about your career highlight? You know, the career highlight, uh, one of the things that I found was um, I had done a, a talk. I do a lot of speaking, public speaking uh, these days in, uh, in, in, in the uh, you know, online world, right? But I remember um, a few years ago, I, I gave a talk. It was in the UK uh, about help desk and, and uh, some of the essential skills there. And the following year, uh, what it was is somebody came back and said, you probably won't remember me, but we had a bit of a chat. I talked to a lot of people and I kind of remembered who this person was, who he was. And I said, well, what have you been up to lately? And he said, um, he said, well, what I did is I took some of your advice, uh, James, as you were talking about, you know, listening uh, to, to learn more about Linux and open source and apply that to my job. He said, and I was able to get a very nice, hefty uh, uh, pay raise. That's just an example of of highlights every once in a while quite often actually fairly often i'm able to see a student another one uh, there's another student who was uh maybe a c average more like a d average student uh or in a high school here in the united states another example and over the years i've seen this person become uh not only a fine web developer but now a person who owns his own business uh, uh, uh doing uh security now for people. So it's a uh, cybersecurity. It's really interesting to me to see on a scalable level how it's possible to influence the lives of many, many people. And I, I've actually seen that evidence, not only from an anecdotal perspective, those two people, but hundreds, if not thousands of people. And years ago, I got into teaching because 
uh, I've been helped by so many instructors throughout my life, whether it be, I remember my, some elementary school teachers, some high school, college. And I said, I can influence for the good, for the better, so many people. And then I realized if I got into certification and education for an organization like CompTIA, instead of affecting hundreds of students a year, like I could as a professor, because um, I got job offers to, to work as a professor, uh, both in English and in IT and things like that. But I, I, the idea of getting into certification and an organization like CompTIA was so cool because I could affect thousands of people if I do my job right. Uh, and, uh, you know, whether or not I do it right is another question. But that to me, when I see evidence of affecting um, the workforce and, and helping people improve their lives, that's uh, that's why you get up in the morning. Yeah. Do you, do you find you have students who come back as well? They may have done cybersecurity, for example, to start with. Do they then return and do something different or something new? Yeah, at CompTIA, we have a whole cybersecurity pathway that we set up, uh, uh, which I would argue cybersecurity pathway begins with you know understanding the foundations. Uh, too many times I, I will talk to CEOs, CIOs, mostly CIOs and hiring managers, and I ask them, what you know, what is it a foundational, uh, what is it a how should I say, a consistent thing that you'd like to fix or an issue that you'd like to fix in workers. And to a person, uh, they'll say, James, a lot of folks that I know, they can be very savvy in certain areas, but they don't have a lot of the technical foundations to improve you know, and make those pivots like I would talk about, like I talked about earlier. Um, reason I bring that up is, um, uh, is, is that too often, I think, uh, people don't have those kind of foundations. And so uh, it's really cool to, to work with people so that they end up uh, uh, getting those those kind of foundations. So I'd say that. Good. All right. So, James, can you tell us what excites you about the future of careers in, in IT and tech? You know, one of the things that's so exciting about it is it changes all the time. And in changing all the time, as long as you have your foundations, you can you can keep your wits about you. Um, but one of the, the most exciting things that's happened is to see how uh, for the for the good technology can affect people's lives. And it's been neat, for example, that in this horrible thing that's happened with COVID uh, and, and and various things, how technology, when it's used right, uh, can be there uh, to to help us out as long as we uh, use our tools correctly and don't use them for ill. It's been really interesting uh, to see on on the positive side uh, how that works and and the idea of uh, how emerging uh, technology I, I always call it emergent technology because it's it's here right now how that can be uh, uh, used is something that's really exciting. Yes, I mean you obviously touched on the the pandemic and I've asked a couple of other guests this question, but. Do you see there's a there's now going to be maybe a pivot in the way technology progresses over the next decade or so as a consequence of what we've been through over the last sort of 15 to 18 months? Very much so. I think one of the first things besides like the negative stuff, uh, side, like uh, some supply chain issues, not only uh, supply chain attacks, but also, uh, you know, certain processors, video cards, et cetera, are nowadays unobtainium. So there's the, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how, yep. how the industry will go. Okay. We see how there are bottlenecks in the process. How can we fix that? And process is interesting to me in that, um, Usually, industry, some whatever industry it is, will figure out on its own whatever equilibrium is and how things work properly, uh, how an ecosystem works. It'll be interesting to see how technology how uh, technology companies fix that particular thing. The other thing that's been uh, to me fascinating is um, I've worked remotely 
uh, in one way or the other for over 20 years. So it's interesting. So as the world has has now been you know thrust remotely over the last year, um, I think that uh, one of the big changes that you'll see is how people will figure out how to not just do online as a backup to, well, we'd rather go back to in-person all the time. And, and that there's a lot of that type of thinking, but I think it'd be interesting to see how people blend uh, the use of technology and really understand uh, its power by blending it with traditional meat space. I call it meat space uh, communication and uh, with online. That's going to be a, a, a really interesting nexus. Yeah, I think you're right. It will be. We'll have to watch this space and see what happens. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. You ready for this? I, possibly. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to know. No, just kidding. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? What attracted me in a, in a career in IT was uh, what I noticed is that people uh, found that the tail was wagging the dog, as it were. Uh, so many people, they found that technology was using them rather than them using technology. And I love teaching folks, and I love uh, basically making it possible to have technology do really cool and interesting things for you. Uh, the other thing, I love troubleshooting. When there are problems, I love to get in there and kind of uh, hunker down and see what's going on and get into some root causes and things like that. So helping people is the first thing. Uh, and the second thing is I love trying to figure out how all that technology works uh, to get it underneath the hood, as it were. Yeah. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? The best career advice I ever received uh, was uh, uh, from a friend of mine who's been in technology far longer than I have. And he said, James, always be curious. You know, uh, uh, if, uh, in sales side of the world, it's uh, ABC, always be closing, right? Uh, I think in the tech side of the world or teaching side of the world or or what have you, I think it's always be curious, that, that sense of innate curiosity. And and even if you're tired or whatever at work or some, you, you're dealing with challenges, if you have that innate sense of of trying to figure out how something works, I think you'll always get into the, uh, the meat of a situation and, and be able to figure it all out. Yes. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? <laughs> Follow the money, uh, that sort of thing. I think, uh, yeah. um, well, I should say that the worst career advice I ever, ever had was um, where, where people uh, will say, uh, I've, I've had people go, well, it doesn't really matter so much uh, about the interpersonal side of things. Don't, don't worry about what other, not so much what other people think. But don't worry about how it's going to affect other people. Just you know, move forward and learn, uh, and uh, things will you know come your way. I, I I think that's an awfully mercenary way to go about. Yeah, to go about your your career. I think it's very important um, to be independent and to uh, have a vision and to move forward, uh, kind of no matter what. I get that, but I think that it's it's very important to realize your place in the world and other people's place in the world. That's that's kind of why we're here. You're here to. Uh, uh, to figure out how to work with people. If you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? First thing I would do is uh, I probably would have done a little bit harder work in learning some of the foundations of of uh, of IT of of tech and how that works. I um, it took me a long time to realize that if you have that strong foundation uh, of technical knowledge, then you can basically move from in whatever world you want, the development world, the infrastructure world, the data world, uh, the security world, whichever. Uh, so I would have uh, spent more time 
uh, learning uh, not only informally, like I, I do pretty well, but formally and really getting getting a, basically a, a, a proof and evidence of a, of a career pathway so that instead of saying, um, telling people about it with lots of words, I can ju- people just can kind of see that that evidence of progress. Yeah. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? You know, the career objectives lately uh, have to do with, I need to get a little bit, uh, I think, deeper into to understanding uh, some security elements and things like that. Uh, a little bit more about analytics. I mean, I'm pretty good at that stuff, but I'd, I'd really like to get deeper in there. The other thing, I'd like to learn a bit more about uh, uh, project management, how that that works, uh, the whole agile side of things. Uh, already pretty, fairly knowledgeable in that, but I'd like to get deeper deeper into that. And then finally, I, uh, I've been thinking lately, uh, maybe, uh, some additional, uh, education about to be an educator and how that, that works. I mean, I, I, people come to me for train the trainers, you know, or come to CompTIA and, and all that, but I, I think I need to, uh, basically get more knowledgeable in how, uh, people learn, uh, from various, parts of the world and very various ways in which you know all the human beings are so different how do they really learn and, and what are some of those things you know more than just understanding well some people are kinesthetic learners and some people are uh you know visual learners or whatever getting deeper than that yes absolutely so that I mean there doesn't really matter where you are within your career does it or what you do there's going to always be something else and something new that you can learn so yeah um and What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? The number one non-technical skill I would say is that's helped me so far is some form of empathy. I like to understand what, where people are coming from. Yeah, uh, I like to connect with them, uh, not only just to make them uh, put them at, at ease. I mean, people will say, oh, James, you put people at ease real well or whatever. Or I can be, uh, I think, very disarming and very friendly and all that. But I think that it really comes down to figuring out uh, where people are, where people are, what they need, and and how I can help them the most. So. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? You know, uh, what I do is I will uh, get deep into a particular topic. For uh, years ago, um, in a we were in a very Windows world, very Windows centric world, and what I did is, it, and I learned quite a bit about how. Microsoft did things and that was great. But what I then did is I found out about the Linux operating system and I got really deep into that. And the reason I say that is the next time I booted up a Windows system one time after spending a lot of time learning Linux, I realized, oh, that's what <laughs> the, that, that particular Windows system is doing. It's just kind of hiding some of the steps. It has much the same thing. So what helped me a lot was uh, getting deeper into one area that seemed like it was unrelated or seemed the opposite, but in fact, uh, helps you, uh, helps you. So that sort of thing. Uh, and you can do that even unrelated with unrelated things for some reason or other, probably due to COVID. I've gotten a whole lot into automobiles. I have a couple of very old cars. One's as old as I am. It's a Ford Mustang. The other one is, uh, 10 years younger than that. It's a, what a 1975, uh, Land Cruiser, Toyota Land Cruiser. I've gotten, I've, I'm working on the clutch right now and I'm working on, uh, I've been working on all sorts of things having to do with the body of the car, but mostly in getting into that, it's basically helped me to actually understand how technology works 
from a troubleshooting period, right. uh, from a troubleshooting perspective. That's helped a lot. Yeah, that makes sense, definitely. It sort of leads into the next question as well. So what do you do in your spare time away from technology? In my spare time, a couple of three things that I do, at least I, I used to do a lot more than I do now. First one, a lot of scuba diving. Uh, I love uh, water, always have. Uh, so the second thing, a lot of kayaking. And um, if and if there's anything water related, back in the day, I used to do a lot of, uh, <laughs> my, my friends and I used to go find bridges that were over rivers and creeks and things like that. And and uh, we had various adventures and, you know, cliff jumping and diving and things like that. But a lot of scuba diving and things like that. And the next, the, the last hobby that I seem to have picked up, I'm not sure it's a hobby, it's more of a sickness or an obsession, really. But uh, um, working on these uh, cars of mine, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, fixing clutches and and uh, let's see. The next thing I've got the electrical system to uh, uh, to do some pounding on. So it's going to be it's it's been a lot of fun to do that. But all of these things, and somehow I think uh, are a lot of fun. I love being outdoors, and so my cars take me outdoors. And for ten for longer than ten years, probably a good twenty years, one of these cars. I've, I've really neglected. <laughs> I just use it too much to have fun and I've never properly fixed it up and, and I'm paying the price for that, but I'm also learning a lot and that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, James, can you share a parting piece of advice with us? You know, when it comes to your uh, career, I think in addition to curiosity, I think one of the things is get a really good network of, of people to help you out. I'm, I'm a real big fan of the idea of not only peer-based learning, but working, uh, uh, kind of living uh, with a group of, of friends, a group of people who you can, if not rely on, you can certainly uh, work with. Often I will uh, talk to people who have devoted fantastic, really cool amounts of time in learning a particular topic, whatever that topic is. Uh, endpoints uh, with a plus, for example, or networking uh, and security, but oftentimes they've neglected their network of of professionals. So get a good solid network going. Doesn't matter if you use LinkedIn or whatever social networking tool you want to use, um, but also do as much in person as you can, um, etc. But get that network of people together because that's where the the career opportunities usually come from, and it's also uh, where your learning opportunities can come from, because you can kind of see where people are going and say, okay, I want some of that, or or it inspires you. So I would focus on a network of of, uh, of peers. Yes, that's a good idea. Good, good, good recommendation, definitely. So James, where can we find out more about you and connect with you? You know, a couple of different ways. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn if you want. Uh, uh, James Stanger. J- what is that? Uh, just Google me. Uh, but uh, Or, you know, on, on LinkedIn, James Stanger, J-A-M-E-S-S-T-A-N-G-E-R. I also have a Twitter account, the same thing, James Stanger. Um, the other thing is there's a CompTIA blog. Uh, that you can check out. And I, uh, uh, every once in a while, uh, actually more than every once in a while, I add entries about various technical topics and things like that. Great. So there are three ways that you can uh, uh, feel free to get a hold of me. And I'm, uh, it's always fun to chat uh, with folks about their career choices and things like that. James, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Oh, thanks so much, Phil. Have a great one. Hi, Phil here again. Now, if you thought about being a guest on the show yourself, or you have somebody in mind that might be a good guest, please do let me know. You can reach me on Twitter, where I'm at FieldTechCareer, or you can find me on LinkedIn, or you can even contact me through the website, 
which is itcareerenergizer.com. Thanks again for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.